0: Take your Bibles this morning and turn, if you will, to the epistle to the Ephesians, chapter number 5. Ephesians, chapter number 5. And as you turn there, I want you to draw your attention down to verse number 18. Ephesians 5, verse number 18 Let us read beginning here. We'll read down to verse number 22. The Bible teaches us, God's word teaches us, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, before I continue on with what I'm going to preach this morning, I believe that verse number 18 is really the heading verse to all that you'll learn. From here, all the way down to about verse number, oh, eight, nine, it's the heading. It's the verse that we need to really let it sink down deep into our ears as we learn how to deal with all the relationships that God has put in front of us. That is the verse. That is the main verse. And be not drunk with wine whereas in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You'll never maintain, you'll never be able to have a godly, spirit led, spirit filled relationship with anybody, if it not be for the Spirit of God working in you. It must be through the Spirit of the Lord. We oftentimes say this, well, that's just who I am. Well, we know that, buddy. <laughs> that's why you acted the way you did, because that's the way you are. But we're not supposed to act the way we are. Amen? We're supposed to act and live according to the way that God wants us to be. We're no longer living naturally. We're to be living as Christians, what? Supernaturally. No longer are we to be carnal we are to be spiritual. And if you're to be spiritual, then we are to be filled with the spirit. He then he says in 19, he says speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs. That's what we've done this morning. Amen. We've sang songs. We've sang hymns. Caleb sang us a spiritual song. That's what we did. Making melody in our hearts In your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for in all things, unto God and the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, it is as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. And then he says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You hold your place there. I want to read a couple other verses to you this morning. First Peter 3.1 says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they may also without the word may be won by the, by the conversation of the wives. Colossians 3.18 teaches, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. Titus 2 says that they may teach the young to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. The message this morning, we've been preaching on the family. And teaching on different relationships and aspects of the family that God ordained and God created. God created the family. Amen? God created the family. He is the ordainer of it. Genesis tells us that in 1 and 2. And we ought to all believe that. He created a husband and he created a wife for them to have children. Wives, see that you reverence your husband. It says that in verse 33. It says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wives see that she reverence her husband. As I wrote that sentence, wives, reverend, your husbands, as my cursor blinked at the end of that statement, all I could think about when I wrote that down, when I typed that out, was how contradictory that a statement that is today. And how non-believers disagree with it. And how many believers, even believers, do not agree with such a statement. That's a sad note. It's a sad note. And so, whenever a preacher comes to this subject, in fact, as I was preparing this, I thought, what did I, have I got myself into sometimes, you know? You know, you oftentimes wonder that as a preacher, and I, I hope you understand that whenever you're preparing messages. And I knew the Lord was wanting me to discuss the family this month of May and uh, deal with several different aspects of the family. You always think to yourself, well, there's some people in your congregation that are not wives, You know, you always think there's some people that aren't husbands, some people that aren't fathers, some people that aren't mothers, some people that don't have any children, some people that their parents are passed away. You know, how do we deal with all of these things? Well, I want to, first of all, as we look at this and uh, understand that, uh, you know, sometimes a preacher thinks he must handle these things with kid gloves, but it should not be the case among Bible-believing Christians. And I believe that's why you're here at St. Kills Baptist Church. I believe that's one of the things that draws people here. And I've, all, I've heard that from many people. And many of you that have come here is one of the things that has brought you to this church is not our fancy facilities. It's not that we serve donuts on Sunday morning or anything like that. It's because we preach the Bible. But the Bible is preached. And we want to do that. We want to continue with that. If there's one thing that I can say about our church that we want to stay with, we want to stay with the Bible. Amen? The Word of God. That's what's most important. And we cannot uh, stray away from it. So we must believe it. We must believe it in every case and in this case too. That God and the Word of God is clear on the wife's relationship to her husbands. I didn't write these verses. God did. God gave them to us. Now, the modernistic view says that that view of the wife reverence her own husband is they say that that is old-fashioned. That's being a stick in the mud. Uh, That is restraining women. That's holding women down. The Bible is limiting the role of women in society. They're placing them under man's thumb. And so, uh, some Bible scholars have sought to combat those comments from feminists and other groups. And they do this by a number of ways. But one of the ways that they do this is by trying to remove the sting, they might say, from this verse. That's what Bible scholars or false preachers and many others will try to do. They always try to take the sting out of the Scriptures. Anybody that tries to justify the Scriptures and tries to change the Bible to remove the sting, to remove the sting of sin... Because that's what this is. I'm going to show you that this morning. The wife reverence in her husband is a sting of sin. This was not the original intent. Amen. But there is a sting here. And we'll see that in Genesis. But the world and the false preachers always want to remove the sting. They don't want any honeybees or wasps in the world. Amen. Okay. Okay. We don't want any of those kinds of things. No tarantula hawks. Anybody ever seen a tarantula hawk before? Who's ever seen one of those things? Does anybody know what I'm talking about right there? You know, it's a big old black bug right there. It lives in the state of Texas. And uh, it is very docile, but they claim that it is, uh, at least Schmidt does, on his uh, sting is the number two worst sting in all the world. All right? So if you see a little black bug flying around, maybe he's carrying a tarantula. That's what they do. They carry tarantulas around and everything. Uh, They sting them. Anyhow, I won't get into all of that. There's a whole other discussion with that. Good illustration, though. But the sting. Uh, The modernists would say, let's take all the stings out of the honeybees. Amen? Let's get rid of all the stings out of the Bible. We don't want any stingers in the Bible. But I'll tell you, the Bible's full of stingers. It's full of them. It's all over the place. And this is a sting. This, this is not easy to hear sometimes. But I want to show you that God has a great plan even in the sting. God's got a great and a wonderful thing that I think it's all, all us need to see. And it's really found for us in verse number 21. Because before he says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, look what he says right there. Submitting yourselves, what? One to another. The whole issue of any submission. Get this down before we even talk into this. The whole issue of any submission, submission of wives, submission of uh, ourselves to God, our submission to our boss, to our, to, our, to our parents, any submission that you want to talk about. it all hinges on this one thing that we to all submit ourselves one to another, and to live a victorious, Christian, godly life, you must, must. I don't care who you are in this building this morning. Learn to submit. Learn to submit. I don't care if you're the king of Israel, like Saul. He would not submit, and therefore God rejected him. When we do not submit, we rebel. And God never blesses rebellion. Never. Not one time. But this modernistic view that puts this view down, that puts this scripture down, they say things like this. Well, Paul and Peter were products of their environment. They were, they were just really, uh, their environment was very really male chauvinistic type of environment. And Paul wrote these things. He grew up in this type of culture. He really couldn't help what he was writing. He was a product of his time. And of course they say we've progressed beyond this point now, we've grown, we've moved on, we've evolved, they might even say, they like to use that word because they like to identify with the evolutionists too. We've evolved beyond this point and we see the great fallacy that such a teaching has been used to oppress women and to strip them of their dignity so that they may be able to do what they want to do with their bodies and their choices. We proudly stand with women. And they say we can keep it in our Bibles as only as a token to remember where we've come from. We've grown. That's the modernistic view. I want to show you in our introduction, this is just introductory here, that there's several things wrong with that. And this not only applies with what I'm saying with this statement here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 22, this applies really in many other cases too. You can use this same logic in a lot of other places where they tried to put down the Bible. I would say that, number one, that that view is wrong because that is a complete denial of the Bible. To say that these are Paul's opinions and Paul's views and Peter's views and the rest of them is to really show to us that they deny the Scriptures. They deny the Scriptures. If I cannot trust Paul and what he says to us here in Ephesians 5, through 33, then why should I trust Paul what he says in Ephesians chapter number 2 and chapter number 1 about my salvation? If I get to pick and choose, then where does the picking and choosing stop, right? That's a big problem. We have to believe the Scriptures. Don't deny them. Secondly, I would say that Such thinking is really a misunderstanding and an ignorance of the laws of God and the New Testament writings. There has been no other book that has lifted and exalted women like the Bible. There's no other one. There's no other one. Uh, Think of that one illustration there in the New Testament of our Lord. Who has a woman that's taken in adultery in front of him. And they say, should we stone her? And what does he say? He that hath the first sin, let him cast the first stone. And she looks up at him with sheepish eyes after they all leave. And he says, go and sin no more. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. He was gracious. He was a good God. He's a good man. He's a good Lord. He is God. But it is a complete misunderstanding of those things. The laws that were written on the books uh, in the the laws of Moses uh, gave women rights and protections that other cultures and heathen cultures never had whatsoever. Never had. The law states, honor thy who? Mother. Right? You got to honor your mama. The Bible tells us that if a husband committed adultery against his wife, guess what? The husband got killed. He did what was wrong. If a woman was raped, what happened to the rapist? He was what? To be put to death. If we killed more rapists in our society, I shouldn't say killed, that's probably going to go off on the airwaves. But if we put to death more rapists in our society, some of that nonsense would stop. And some child molesters, if they got put to death, a lot of that nonsense would stop. Can I get an amen with that? Because that, I mean, I can't do it, but the the state should be doing some more about these kinds of things. The sword, they beareth not the sword in vain. What is the law, therefore, but to restrain evil? And what is our state doing? Nothing to restrain the evil of child molesters and rapists. Nothing. The state of Texas is doing nothing to stop this nonsense. And other states are doing nothing to stop this nonsense. It's ridiculous. If anybody wants to get mad at somebody for the disparaging of women, don't get mad at the church. Get mad at the state of Texas. Get mad at at the United States government for not prosecuting and dutifully hurting and taking out those people that are hurting women and little children. I hope we all agree with that. The reason why we have such unrestraint order in our society today is because our states do not do anything about them. They give somebody a little slap on the wrist and they let them go. Somebody rapes a woman and 16 months later they're back out on the streets raping another woman. That's wicked. And the state of Texas is wicked for doing that. All right? The law said they ought to die. That's what the law said. Are you saying we go back to the law of Moses? I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you what the law said in the law of Moses. All right? Okay? We ought to see that even in God's word, it is even highly more exalted of women than in our current society today. In our current society today. That's a shame. But God gave laws to protect women, He to protect them from being sold into slavery, to protect their daughters from being sold into harlotry. Why do you think that God gave a law that they should not sell women into harlotry? Because that was a modern practice that happened in those days. And God said, don't do that. That's wicked. You shouldn't do that with your daughters. And guess what people are doing today in our lawless society? They're selling their little girls into prostitution. That's what's happening. Don't let anybody try to deceive you into saying, well, those are old-fashioned laws. You say to them, well, I would hope we could get back to some old-fashioned laws. Then we could really be prosecuting some criminals on our streets. And the modern slave traffic that is out there today, there is a modern slave trade. You know that, don't you? It's called a sex trafficking trade. And it's going on all over the place. It's going on right here in the city of Austin. And And our leaders are doing nothing about it. Steve Adler's doing nothing about it. They're not doing anything about it. That council members down there—they're doing nothing about it. You know what they want to do? They want to build a hotel for the homeless, but they don't want to help out people that are getting slave trafficked through this city. This is one of the main hubs of slave traf- of sex slave trafficking in this city. But our city council wants to do nothing about it. Nothing. They want to keep that stuff going on. They don't care about that, but they want to pander to the rest of the people. I'm getting on politics. You say I'm getting on politics? No, I'm not getting on politics. I'm preaching the Bible. I'm lifting up women, just like those scriptures lifted up women, and they let them be exalted. Adultery was forbidden. Go and study any other culture culture, and, uh, culture that you want to. You will not find the respect and admiration that are given to women as according to the Bible and the New Testament. You know, and this thing is balanced too, isn't it? God said for the wives to reverence their husband, but what does he say to the husband? He says, husbands love your wives. I look through this passage right here and also in the passages in Colossians. There's a two to one here. There's a two to one. There's more verses given to the husband than there is to the wife. So men, you ought to be doing these things. Thirdly, it is important teaching because this teaching did not come directly from Paul but came directly from God. Take your Bible over to the book of Genesis chapter number 3. I have no idea where all that stuff came from about the city of Austin. I won't need my notes anywhere. (laughs) But you just got that for free this morning. Galatians 3.16. Okay? There are many reasons, and I don't have the time to give you all of them, why we ought to accept and believe what God says. And one of those is this. It's thirdly because... This teaching does not come directly from Paul, but comes directly from God. God directly told Adam and Eve, according to the book of Moses. Moses wrote this down. We understand that. But he was writing as God's human penman. And he was writing what God had told Adam and Eve in the garden after they had sinned. And in Genesis chapter 3, in verse number 16... The Bible says unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. I'm sorry, you ladies that are expecting, but that's the reason why it is. Before this, if a woman were to have birth, before this uh, before all that, she would have had a painless childbirth. Can you imagine that? But now it's not painless. It's called woe. It's called travail in the Bible and I'll never forget the first time we had a baby it was travail my wife was in labor and she went through one of them contractions and she raised her hand up and I was real and I said it's okay sweetheart it's gonna be all right." and I let go of her hand that was a mistake Luke don't make the same mistake here soon okay And she reached up to grab my hand. And the only thing she could grab a hold of was my face. And she dug her fingers down in my face and everything. And they held on through that whole entire contraction. That was travail. She just wanted me to feel a little bit of pain, I think is what it was, what she was feeling. And I said, praise God. I made sure to put my hand back down there next time. So, getting my face too close. But then it says, thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee. God said that what Paul is writing and what he's telling her here in Genesis, he's saying that the result of sin came the curse, and the curse, one of the curses was this is that the woman would be ruled or be subject to their own husband. That was what God told them, and Paul is simply repeating that. So, to deny this teaching is also to deny what God Himself was saying. Though I believe that Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 22, is God himself saying it too. But literally, you've got God himself talking to Adam and Eve. And this is what he says. But thirdly, and this is the most important reason, why we cannot deny this teaching. Is that if I write this command off. This is my point, what I made earlier about the sting. If I write this point off. Then I'm going back to the beginning when God placed the curse upon creation. And I'm denying the curse. And therefore I'm denying the fall. Therefore I'm denying sin. I'm denying it all. You can't just. We we cannot take our Bibles and cut them out, out, out little places. We can't do that. The Jehovah's Witnesses did that. And you see what happened to them? They don't believe in they don't believe that Jesus is God anymore. They don't believe in hell anymore. They don't believe in an eternal life. They don't believe in things anymore that are clearly spoke spoken in the Word of God. Because you know what they did? They took a King James Bible, and you can find these. And Lucas showed them to me. Is they're the original ones. And they took Sharpie markers, and they took them, and they marked out verses that they did not agree with. I was talking to a Jehovah's Witness one time, and I was telling them how Jesus is God, and I was using the Book of Gospel of John, and and I was going through the Gospel of John, and he finally looked at me, and he said, "I just." Don't like the gospel of John. <laughs> well, I don't care what you like. It's there, you know. You can't just take things and cut them out. Because when you cut out one thing in the Bible, you know what that does? That cuts off something else. And it cuts off something else. And it cuts off something else. If you take out this thing that we're teaching about here this morning, then you know what? You're denying. You're denying that teaching. You're, then you're going to deny the curse. And then you're going to deny the fall. And then you're denying sin. And what happens when you deny sin? Then you're going to deny a Savior because you have no reason to be saved. The Word of God, whenever the modernists and the modern feminist or whoever does not agree with these teachings try to take these out, what in reality is happening is they are rebelling against God. They're scorning God because they hate God and they hate his word. Why do people scorn hell? Because they hate hell. They don't like punishment. They don't like these things. Now, let me give you just a few practical points. I've taken a long time on that, I know. But I believe that was very important. Very important. We cannot just cookie cut the Bible. We have to see the Bible for what it really is. Let me give you three practical points, and I'll be done. Number one, go back to Ephesians chapter number five, and let us see this. This command is written directly to the wife. I know that is simple and direct, but I want you to be encouraged by that. I think that all of us can gain some encouragement by the very first word of Ephesians 5.22, wives. Why is that? Because the Bible writes specific messages to people. The Bible is specific. There's no wondering who he's writing to, is there? Does anybody here need a doctoral, doctoral degree uh, from uh, DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, or some other fancy seminary to understand what the word wives mean? None of us do. We look at it and we go, wives, must be talking to them. You know what I mean? We can go on. If you're a husband, you're probably like, wives, okay, I can miss that part. You know? I can go on down to verse number 25, find my place. That's what the Bible's there for. Specific messages to us. I hear people say all the time, I just don't think that God ever speaks to me in his word. Are you a husband? Are you a wife? Are you a son? Are you a daughter? Are you a mom? Are you a dad? Are you anything? Are you a brother or sister? Guess what? The word of God has got something for you because it's specific. It's not like the Quran. It's not like some other other religious writing where it's so general that we don't know who he's talking to or what he's talking about. The Bible is so specific. Wives. Everybody's attention is God that are wives. God has a word for you. The question we have to ask ourselves is this. Do I want to listen to it or not? That's the question. Do I want to listen to what God says? That ought to be encouraging to you. Because God, for you wives, let me speak to you for a moment. He has given you a specific message. God did not leave you in the dark on this matter. On how to be a godly wife. Did not leave you in the dark. There's more explanation about it in Titus 2. There's more explanation about it in 1 Peter 3 verses 1-7. through 7. I don't have the time to go through all of these things. It's a general message. But if you had not been given this information, then you would not know how to please God and be a godly wife. These are ways in which you can please the Lord. God does not leave any of us in the dark. Amen? He does not leave any of us in the dark. So number one, the command is directly to the wife. Number two, the command is to the obedience of your own husband. Now I think that word is very important. Submit yourselves unto your what? Own Husband. I am glad to say here this morning that I am not of the, of the authority over any of you husbands that have a wife. I guess you have, if you are a husband, you have a wife. So, uh, but I am not over any of the wives in here. Praise God. Amen. I'm glad for that. I'm not over any of the wives. If you're a husband, you're over your own wife. I'm not over your wife. All right? That's where some of the modernists get this whole thing messed up too. And they say, well, you see, that's putting us all down. You, all you men think you're over us women. No, we don't. I'm not over all the women in here. I've got one person that I am to love and adore and to watch after and to keep after and to love with all my heart, and that is Karis Cox. That is her. Amen. That doesn't mean I don't love you. Okay. When well, my preacher say don't love me, you know no, I love you. I just don't love you like a wife. Okay. All right. I thought I'd get at least a praise God from some of you men. Amen? (laughs) Praise God, you know? You are responsible as a wife to one man that is your husband. Now let me issue this warning too. If you're not married here and you are a woman, then let me just issue this warning. If you are going to get married, can you accept the man that you're going to marry, can you accept and be submissive unto him? At this moment before you get married, you have that choice. Can you be submissive unto that man? If you look at him and you think through those things and all the birds and love songs, you know what I mean, kind of fall off the scene and you think logically, can you be submissive to him? If you cannot, then do not marry him. Do not marry him. Because then you'd be going against what God would want you to do. You have that choice. Now submit to yourself. So if you are married, submit yourself to your own husband. I love the word submission. It means to place yourself under. It does not say wives are, in subject, are, are, put, are, are themselves put under. Husbands, put your wife under you. That's not the idea. A wife puts herself under her own, uh, submission, whether we're talking about wives or yourself to the government or to your boss or whoever it might be in your life, submission is always an act of the will. An act of the will is what it is. Chris, can you come up here? You're just always the biggest guy here, you know what I mean? You're like six four On a good day, a good day you know, when you're back straight, right? You know? boots are on yeah all right I want you to hold your arm up here all right turn around for us you know so the camera can see you there okay hold hold this arm up all right now it's easy you see for me to get under Chris you know what I mean that's 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 pretty easy you know what I mean (laughs) amen you know that's not hard at all and that's 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 a blessing right there this is this is life if you will before the fall Man, it's, it's really, it's simple, you know, just do, do, you know, real, real easy to get under, real easy to get under here and everything. Not too hard at all. I like this right here. You're shading me right there. I appreciate that. All right. John, come up here. All right. John, you stand beside Chris and put your arm down by your waist right there, right here, about, about right here. Okay. All right. Now I got to, if i'm going to get under john look you see you see i got to i got to get under here by the act of my own will i have to get under all right wives it's not always easy to get under sometimes it is like this sometimes marriage is just wow it's just get under, no problem. Other times, you have to get under. Does that make sense? Thanks, guys. It's not always easy. It's not something that God says, this is easy to do, but it is a submission. It is an act of the will, is what it is. Whether it's easy or whether it's hard, we need. To, this is a process that is something that needs to be learned, and it is a learned trait. It is not something that comes naturally. It is something you learn to do. Submit yourselves to your own husband, to your own husband. And both are needed in the home. We need a husband and you need a wife. You need both of them. Both are needed in the home. You cannot have two heads in a home. Adrian Rogers used to say all the time anything with two heads is a monster, anything without a head is dead. You know, you, you can't have, you got to have one head in the home. And of course, as I said already, this is not man's idea. This is God's way that this should be the case. Now, understand this cannot work out in a godly way, in a godly way, in a spiritual way, if people are not saved. Understand that Ephesians 5, verse 22, is written to Christians, to believers. But God has called you as a Christian woman, if you're married, to be under your husband. And that submission is highlighted for us in the book of First Peter, chapter number two, and verse number twenty-one. Turn there real quick, if you will, because I think this is the crux of the sermon right here. First Peter two and verse number twenty-one tells us. In First Peter two twenty one, the Bible tells us this: For hereunto are you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live to ri- unto righteousness. By whose stripes we are healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the bishop, shepherd and bishop of your souls. And I think there is a, I don't want to say an error, but I think it is a little bit hard for us maybe to sometimes see because there's a chapter break here. And this chapter break throws us off a little bit because the next word in chapter 3 is what? Likewise. Likewise. He says, Behold, you have returned. You are sheep going astray. Look at Jesus. He was reviled and reviled not again. He suffered. He, he never sinned, not one time. Uh, he was an example for us. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. What does the likewise mean? It means this, that Christ was in submission to the death, even the death of the cross, likewise, Likewise, your wives be submission to your own husbands. That is the likewise. That is the connecting factor. And so you see that in every way, whether you're a Christian wife or a Christian husband, a Christian daughter, a Christian son, Christian mother or father or a Christian brother or a sister, what are you there to do? You're there to represent Jesus Christ in every way, in every fashion, in every relationship. That's my focus on all of these sermons has been Christ and Christians and every single relationship that they have are to be exampling Jesus Christ. That is what we're to be doing. And in this way, the wife is submissive unto her own husband and likewise as Christ was submissive to the cross. Now look what he says finally. He says back to Ephesians 5 in verse number 22. He says, as unto Christ the Lord. Now, that means just what he says. You're submitting in an act of obedience, not to your husband, but to the Lord. That is so key in understanding all of our relationships that we go through. You have a terrible work situation that you're in. You know what? You need to read Ephesians chapter number six, verses one through four, or excuse me, verses, um, verses five through five through nine. And you need to obey what God says. You know why? Because we're not living our lives because we're obeying so and so and this person and that person. No, we are obeying the Lord. You're not living and being under subjection for your husband's sake. We all know he's a knucklehead, okay? We all get that. You're doing it for God's sake. You're doing it for the Lord's sake. And if you'll learn to please God in difficult situations and in wonderful situations, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard, but we're all in this to do one thing. We're all in the Christian life to do one thing. Please God. Please God. Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You were created to please God. That's why you were created. This is the instructions on how to please God. And if you're submissive to your own husband, guess what? You'll be pleasing God. And that's what matters most in life. But can I give you a second practical point? If you're a wife this morning, if, that, if you'll submit yourself to your own husband as he tells you to, guess what? The pressure's off you. It's on him, as it should be, as it should be. The pressure is on him. You're not going to be judged how you ran your family. That's on him. That doesn't mean you don't be a good Christian. That doesn't mean you don't be a good mom or a good wife. That doesn't mean any of those things. That doesn't mean you just leave off your duties because my husband's not doing what he should do. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this is that you need to be submissive unto him and put the pressure back on him. Stop trying to control everything. Put that back on your husband. Put that back on him. Let him mess up. Let him make some mistakes. Be wise and try to help him, but submit. It'll free you up. Kara sometimes will be talking about something and she'll say, I don't know. You make the decision. You're the husband. She's not saying that to be rude. She's just saying that to be real. And guess what happens? The pressure's on me, not on her. You know what that does? That forces me to do as a husband. Forces me to pray. It forces me to think. It forces me to do. Sometimes there's a husband that won't do anything around the house, and there's many reasons behind that. I understand. Some are just flat out lazy. If you're a lazy husband... You need to get it on the ball. Stop being lazy. Help your wife out. You're not the king, all right? To Just sit around and do nothing, okay? I'll preach to you next week. I'm sure you'll be back now. That was a great intro for next week, wasn't it? But sometimes, and in some cases, the wife is doing everything around the house because every time the husband tries to do something, he does something wrong. And she won't let him do anything. And then she wonders and complains why doesn't you do anything? Don't be that way. Be submissive unto your own husband. Your submission to your husband. And let me say this too your submission to your husband and to any authority in your life. Whether that's your mom, your dad, your pastor, whether that's your whether that's your law enforcement officer, your boss, any authority. Submission to the authorities that God has placed in your life is a reflection, is not, excuse me, is not so much a reflection in all of their authority. It is a reflection and a reverence to God's authority. When you submit yourself, even in situations that are not pleasant, it is not a reflection or a reverence for the believer as a, the, a reverence and reflection of the, the authority of that person. It is showing to others your reverence towards the Lord. You'll never be blessed as a believer being a rebel. Never. You'll never be blessed. You'll be judged. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. They were judged, they were cursed. Thank you, rebellion. Now we're all cursed because of it. All of us are cursed because of rebellion. Rebellion gave us sin. Rebellion gave us hell. Rebellion gave us condemnation. Thank you, rebellion. Isn't it so wonderful to be a rebel? No, it's not. It's not. But you know how the problem of rebellion and sin was resolved? Submission. Submission. When Christ submitted himself to his Father for his will to place himself under men, evil men, and to be subjected unto death, even the death of the cross. Had it not been for submission, the Son of God would have never died on Calvary. He would have never shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. He would have never rose again from the dead, and we'd all still be sitting here or whatever we were doing, condemned before God. Submission. Submission is what saved us, folks. Submission. And may us all learn to submit. Let me ask you these three questions. Have you submitted to the plan of God? Have you supplanted to the number one plan of God? And that is, have you asked Jesus Christ to save you from your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness? That takes submission. That takes you putting yourself under what God said is the way to salvation. God said the way to salvation is to believe upon Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Have you placed yourself under that command? Wives, are you submitting to your own husbands as unto the Lord? And may we all ask this question Are we living submitted Christian lives to the authorities that God has placed over us? Are we all living submitted Christian lives? We all need to learn that because the pathway to victory is through submission. Father, we're thankful for the word of God. We pray that you please, please God will help us to submit to the plans, to the will, and even to the people that are in our lives that are over us. We all have people that are over us and may God we submit to those people in a right and a correct way we well, thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. If God's spoken to you this morning,